quiet shutting of a door. I turned to look back and saw a figure hurrying down the hallway in the other direction. Philip, I called after him. My fiancé, Philip Bond, was heir to the great Bond mining fortune, and his face was as well favoured as his purse. Before my father died some months earlier, He'd finalised my betrothal to Philip. I was ever so grateful. My father had never expressed love or affection for me, preferring instead Karen, the baby, who resembled him in her blonde, blue-eyed beauty. Aylin! Philip stopped, turned to walk toward me, and then drew me into a quick, stiff embrace. Where are you going? I asked, puzzled. Rather, whatever are you doing hanging about in the gallery when we're to see the king within the hour? I was taken aback for a moment, recognising, perhaps, that he sought to put me on the defence rather than account for his own presence. He grinned and gently kissed my cheeks one by one in the French fashion, his beard lightly scratching my face, the unique spiced herb blend of his wash water surrounding him, his lips freshly warm and soft, though the hall was chilled. I shall see you downstairs soon. Then he turned and left. I walked slowly to dress myself for the evening, unsettled, unhappy, confused. When I arrived at my mother's chamber, my married sisters, Gertrude and Britta, were already fully gowned and the lady-maid was assisting Karin as she slipped into a stunning gown of green and silver. "'Where have you been?' my mother clucked. I kept trying to catch my sister's eye, but Karin kept her chin up and studiously avoided my gaze in the looking-glass. I knew. "'I'm here now,' was all I answered. After Karin was gowned, the lady-maid turned to me— pulled out a gown of gold-stamped grey crushed velvet, and then shook it twice before bringing it toward me. After helping me dress, she weaved gold threads through my long red hair. I would be leaving on the morrow for England with Princess Cecilia, so my gown had been most costly— a gift that was a dear sacrifice for my widowed mother and a token of her affection and esteem. I kissed her on the cheek, and we four girls followed her down to the great hall where Eric and his new mistress would arrive. The hall was ablaze with torches and candles, flickering gold light, Rolling fires and the heat of hundreds of noble bodies warmed the cold Swedish night. I soon lost my family in the crowd of others and danced while the king's court musicians played on. After an hour, I sought to rest and spied Karin Mon's daughter in the corner, splendidly dressed and bejeweled, but forlorn and alone. Although Sweden was collectively grateful for the opiate she was upon our sovereign, she was low-born, the daughter of a tavern-keep, and had been, only months before, a lady-maid to the king's sister. 
Stunned by her beauty, Eric had plucked her from the rushes and made her his own. May I sit near you? I looked at the red-covered chair next to hers, which was backed against a gilded wall. Oh, yes, Karin Mon's daughter said, breathless, then composed herself. I mean, assuredly. She smiled, and I smiled back at her. Are you afraid to sail tomorrow? she asked. I know I would be. Those ships are so small and the sea so vast. I found her forthrightness refreshing and laughed. I'm not afraid of the seas, I said, catching Philip and my sister dancing together again out of the corner of my eye. Do the English speak German or Swedish? she asked. No.